Welcome to the third episode of The Nest Show, the podcast that brings you insights into the crypto market, trading and investment experiences, and what we're looking for as we navigate this space together. In this episode, we look at the global outbreak of the coronavirus and what it means to global financial markets at large. This includes the overextension of legacy markets, Bitcoin as a hedge, whether we've seen the end of the equities market sell-off, and a comparison of the coronavirus to other outbreaks in the last 50 years. We also talk about a few areas of the crypto market that we're looking to emerge alongside BTC as crypto continues to find its footing in the spotlight of traditional media. Once again, thank you for joining The Nest Show, and we hope you enjoy the ride. What The Nest Show is... This is a podcast brought to you by the Burb Nest community, an independent crypto-centered trading community built to sharpen each other in capturing opportunities in the markets while protecting capital along the way. What this is not, trading advice. We are not financial advisors, and you should not regard any information here or in the Nest Club as financial advice. You should always consult a licensed financial advisor before making any financial decisions. All right, and welcome to this, the third episode of The Nest Show. Today, we're joined by Sponge. Sponge, how are you, man? Very well, thanks, man. Very well. And we also have our special guest, Crypto Penguin. Penguin, how are you? Yeah, very excited to be on the show. I, I like what you guys are doing here, and i uh, excited to talk. Right on. Uh, and we're, we're so excited to have Penguin on. For those of you uh, who are just becoming familiar with his work here on the podcast, uh, Penguin is a tireless worker behind the scenes. He's an FA specialist uh, for the Burb Nest and has his hands in just about everything valuable that goes on uh, there at the Nest, both behind the scenes and at the front lines. So we are very fortunate to have him both in the Nest and on the show. So thank you for being here, Penguin. Today we have a, a very exciting for you know rather perilous reasons. And that's the implications of the coronavirus on the global financial markets at large, as well as, of course, the Bitcoin and crypto markets. For those of you who have been living under a rock, the coronavirus is a viral outbreak that originated in the Wuhan province in China. Of course, China is an economic hub of manufacturing and financial markets, basically all sorts of barometric pressures for the global financial markets at large. So, you know, regardless of, of some of the numbers that you will hear, what matters is perception and people posturing to respond to this outbreak. So, Sponge, you have some questions and conversational topics prepared on the coronavirus. What's the take on things in England and kind of the local feel for the epidemic? Well, certainly in England, um, people aren't paying huge amounts of attention to it directly. I mean, we're all watching online and we're keeping up to date with the stats and the news. So far, there's no cases where I am in, in the world. There's no immediate sort of terror or fear, but there are those of us that are sort of keeping an eye on it and just trying to get an understanding of, of what the risk is to ourselves. Um, I saw today, only a few minutes ago, the uh, World Health Organization declared it a public health emergency of international concern. So that obviously is concerning. I guess we're just watching and waiting. Yeah, of course. And as you mentioned, the U.S. has reported its first human-to-human -human transmission case here on Thursday, where the patient's husband contracted the virus from her upon her return from the Wuhan province. And the WHO, or World Health Organization, has declared it an outbreak of global import. Of course, most of this is in posturing for preemptive response to make sure that people and resources are in a position to be allocated appropriately should the spread continue 
continue. It's interesting because, you know, in terms of how the Wuhan outbreak compares to some of the historic viruses, I think it's worth looking at. Let's say, for instance, Ebola, which was identified in 1976, you had 33,000 cases and 13,500 deaths, which was a fatality rate of about 40% compared to the coronavirus, where currently you have around 8,100 cases with 170 deaths or a fatality rate of about 2%. Ebola on its face was a much deadlier viral contagion, but of course, in this day and age, you have a much faster media response. The coronavirus, too, is currently reported to have cases in over 20 countries, whereas Ebola was restricted to nine. Yeah, so that's just to give it a little bit of perspective. You know, historically speaking, the coronavirus has a fatality rate of 2%, whereas the most recent bird flu in 2013 had a 39% fatality rate, MERS 34%, SARS close to 10%. So it's a much, much lower compared to some of these other global viral outbreaks. So that's, I guess, the silver lining where it can be had. Now, Penguin, you mentioned that you are in Thailand. What would you say the local responses there and kind of the local vibe in terms of local headlines from what you're seeing on the ground? Well, it's very tricky here because tourism is a major source of income for Thailand. So the government has been reluctant to stop Chinese travelers from entering Thailand. That has caused a lot of the uh, residents here to have to wear masks on the trains. The other day, I was trying to buy some more masks and some hand sanitizer, and they were all out. It's very scary here. I think Thailand is, if I'm not mistaken, the country with the highest number of people infected outside of China. It's pretty scary. It's one of the tricky things, too, because while everyone's trying to play it on the safe side, global financial markets are at somewhat of a tipping point. By many accounts, they're already overextended with capital being injected from reserve agencies printing money. The coronavirus and the related retraction in Chinese output and manufacturing goods has really kind of served as a pressure release valve for a lot of people waiting for a pullback. Yeah, I personally am not watching the markets too closely to wait for re-entries on a lot of these affected stocks. Catching knives in this situation just isn't for my constitution. I'm sure that there are going to be other traders who do so successfully, but I'm not trying to time this thing. Sponge, I know you had some questions you know, regarding kind of global market outlook on the uh, coronavirus. Let's hear some of them. Sure, yeah. As you were just explaining, the coronavirus had a pretty detrimental effect to what's, what's generally been a bullish global market atmosphere for 2019 and leading into 2020. We've had a few sharp sell-offs in legacy markets that, that haven't yet recovered or necessarily got lower just yet. There's obviously a large level of uncertainty in the markets as to where this thing's going. As you said, China is a global powerhouse when it comes to economies. It's the manufacturing hub of the world and it's got the largest import-export trade. And with their borders closed and business potentially affected, what effect do you think this is going to have short-term or even mid-term on global trading markets? Well, it's an interesting point. As we were talking pre-show, we're seeing kind of a warm-up for the potential of Bitcoin to have a correlated run with gold. 
and other precious metals as a potential hedge against an overinflated equities market. And I would even put Bitcoin and some precious metals ahead of the bonds market, especially in China. The recent run in Bitcoin may be due to some big players in China readjusting some of their portfolio to gain more exposure to Bitcoin and some of these other large cap ventures, because quite frankly, they don't have many other options outside of precious metals for a hedge within China. And obviously, with GDP being so negatively impacted by the coronavirus and by manufacturing being slowed down so immensely. I think that they're looking for non-traditional elements. And I think that this could be kind of a coming out party for Bitcoin to really be put on the stage for a uh, new era hedge. What's your take on that, Penguin? See, Bitcoin can be a hedge for some people. But if you look at traditional investors, they still view Bitcoin as a risky asset. And that is true in some respect because it's still very easily manipulated. Bitcoin, in comparison to many other markets, smaller players can easily control the price. So if you want to use Bitcoin as, say, a store of value that's not so reliable in the short term, I still personally believe in its potential in the long term. But if you ask someone in their 60s or 70s and they're not familiar with the technology, there's not a lot of avenues for them to invest in Bitcoin. So I think that the majority of the market still hasn't entered Bitcoin yet. So there's still a lot of room for growth there. So I would still consider Bitcoin a volatile asset with a lot of room for growth. But in terms of hedging, recently, we're talking about the coronavirus, it appears to have been performing quite well during the coronavirus outbreak. Now, whether it's caused by the coronavirus, I'm not entirely sure. But Bitcoin, interestingly, does have some advantages that I think would make it an interesting choice during a global pandemic. The point I want to make is that the way China handled this coronavirus, some people have criticized them for not being very forthcoming with the uh, disclosure of the real numbers until it was too late. And the more things like this happen, you know, the more things that governments do to cause distrust in the population, the more they're going to, to start to lose faith in these centralized authorities and start to look for alternatives. Now, previously during SARS, Ebola, we didn't have Bitcoin. We didn't have this alternative to say, you know, I don't trust the government. Where else can I store my wealth in case the government does turn out to be as bad as I think it is, then I'll still have health control of, of my wealth. And we have Bitcoin now. So I think it's starting to become a potential option. So it should definitely be a part of every smart investor's portfolio. But I would not, uh, this is not investment advice, but I would not personally put all my wealth into Bitcoin. But I would consider it a good risk to reward ratio play for the medium to long term future. You touched on some really interesting points there, Penguin, um, one of which I'd like to discuss a little further. I don't really think Bitcoin right now is a hedge against global currencies. However, localized situations, I think there is a possibility. We know that around 5 million people left Wuhan just before the quarantine. Now, it would be interesting to know if there was a portion of those people that did transfer their wealth into Bitcoin to hedge against the Chinese yen, because, I mean, we, we've seen the Chinese yen dropping against pretty much everything, particularly over there in a place where the government's so full of censorship and there's a lot of distrust in the government. I wouldn't be surprised if there were a number of people that were buying Bitcoin to potentially hedge. I mean, we know China's a powerhouse in terms of, of cryptocurrency, and, you know, a lot of people wait for the Chinese open because, you know, they have so much power in this market. And I think certainly, um, touch 
touching on what Ben said about a few potential whales, maybe you know hedging into Bitcoin for for a time, maybe just maybe if it's just a case of transferring the money out of the country as they go. It's kind of an unprecedented situation because not so much in the Eastern world, but certainly in the Western world, from our perspective, it's very hard to grasp the concept of grab all your stuff and, and get out, you know, in, in one night or in an hour or you know over the course of two days. And and it might just be the quickest option for some people because you know when you're when you're about to leave a country that's going to get quarantined, the last thing you're thinking is oh I, I better jump into my online banking and, and transfer my wealth to somewhere else. And I think people who have at least accessibility to Bitcoin, there may well be a few of them who could have bought a bunch of Bitcoin, transferred their money to that and put it in a ledger in their pocket around their neck and, and just left the country. I mean, who knows? We'll, we'll certainly see how, how that plays out over the next few months. But one thing I have found interesting is this hedge idea. Hedge as a word with, with Bitcoin and amongst people in, in cryptocurrency is, is a bit of a buzzword because there's a lot of people who obviously won't agree that Bitcoin could be a hedge or isn't a hedge currently. And I'm among the sort of that latter half of those people. I, I don't think Bitcoin's currently a hedge on a global scale, but certainly from a retail perspective or from the smaller fish like you and me, you know, just general normal citizens of countries, it might be something that people know that they can control themselves and it might be something that they, they jump into. I mean, we, we obviously saw gold rise amongst the confusion as people began to hedge their assets in legacy markets. But what's interesting is, as you said, Bitcoin continued to rise unhindered after this outbreak news. There's the argument that Bitcoin has a correlation to gold. Whether or not that's the case obviously will remain to be seen. There's been a couple of instances this year, global events occurring, like the Iran missile situation. We had a growth through Bitcoin. That Bitcoin growth stalled once the war was sort of put on the back burner a little bit. And now it's grown again throughout the coronavirus outbreak. And whether that's down to existing technical points or if that's actually because people are hedging money, it's, it's, there's definitely a, a conversation to be had there. I think it's a really interesting situation. Do you guys think Bitcoin's grown in legitimacy over the years enough to be potentially considered a safe haven against global turmoil? I think that it's grown in legitimacy just based on the fact that it's still here and that it's still being talked about and that the market is growing for its data offering and the charts are reading like any other traditional asset class at various stages of development. Even just in terms of the role on the global stage, you know, where you do have overextended equities markets and uncertain bonds markets, I think that its legitimacy is just as strong as ever. You do have need for a variety of hedging classes. Commodities, there's a lot of uncertainty there because there's a glut of supply. It's becoming more cost intensive to extract. And there's kind of uncertain political horizon in terms of carbon emission taxes, etc. Meanwhile, solar power is emerging as much more sustainable and economically sound than it's been in the past. So I think that there are a lot of interesting elements that would provoke a need or an interest in a new hedging device that Bitcoin really speaks too. What's your take on that, Penguin? When we talk about all these uh, other commodities you could choose to invest in, what are our options here when we talk about hedging, right? Oil, with the coronavirus, you know, people aren't traveling. Airlines are having to cancel flights. That's not going to be good. Stocks, I know the Chinese stock market was performing so badly, they shut it down and it's going to open again on Monday, I think. I don't think there are very many good options. So people are searching for something that would not be correlated with all these events happening. So, I mean, if you look at Bitcoin, if China's manufacturing gets affected, if there's a travel ban, I mean, that doesn't really affect Bitcoin that much. Uh, same thing with gold, I suppose, maybe silver. But all these other things like bonds, stocks, they're all connected with the global situation right now. And the coronavirus is a potentially very troubling situation that could be bad for everybody all around the world. 
Yeah, and I think there's other implications outside of just our own area of expertise of trading. You know, international relations, I mean, these all tie in together, these situations, but certainly international relations. I mean, China with their their sort of local bordering countries, China-America relations. I mean, all these things that are already quite tense are going to get more tense in this situation. Well, if you believe Bitcoin is becoming a hedge, do you guys think this effect is going to be lasting or long enough at least to incur another sort of bull market like we had in, in 2017-18? Do you think that's um, that's on the cards for us? And if so, you know, do you have any idea where, where you th- sort of see this rally topping off? Like how much capital flow are we going to see? Me personally, I, I have a, a bullish bias overall on Bitcoin. The minuscule market cap of where we sit today, as I'm speaking, we're hovering right around $262 billion. And in terms of global market flows, this is minuscule. You know, Bitcoin has been the best performing asset of the decade and of last year. And I don't know if it is of this year currently at the moment. It might might well be. It might be up there. But uh, the real question is, how long can that be ignored by legacy markets, by even just the rest of retail? I mean, as you said, we're such a small market cap at the moment. I think Apple has enough cash on hand to buy Bitcoin. Not one. I mean, like all of them, every single Bitcoin. So it's an unbelievably small market at the moment. And as you know, as we've said, there's, there's plenty of big players pushing it around. But you can't ignore the fact that it's been such a good performing asset. It's outperformed everything for years on end. And yeah, at some point that's going to have to be taken note of. Penguin, what do you think about the potential price projection of Bitcoin? Do you see this rally continuing throughout the year? Do you see us pulling back soon? You know, do you think there's enough fuel in, in the burner there to keep Bitcoin rising? Well, if the coronavirus worsens, I think that there might be enough gas in the tank there for uh, people start panicking and they start looking for somewhere to put their wealth. Maybe they could consider looking at Bitcoin and, and it could go further. In the short term, I'm thinking 10K is my short term target. I think it should reach there. What it does after that in the short term, uh, we'll have to see once what, what the reaction is once, once it reaches that level. It looks right now like it might be starting to bounce, but I can't say for sure until it passes that old all-time high whether or we're going to be in full-on bull mode. So long-term, I still believe firmly in Bitcoin. Short-term, bullish as well. Mid-term, I, I don't want to um, make too strong a prediction. Well, let's see what it does once it reaches that 10K level and see what price does. So let me turn this around on, on you guys. I want to ask you guys a question. Besides Bitcoin, you know, we have this whole market of so many cryptocurrencies. You know, what, what other coins do you guys think might be worth taking a look at? I mean, personally, I think we should be taking a look at some privacy coins because, you know, with those regulations that are starting to come in. And, you know, people want to look for a hedge, but they don't want the government to know how much wealth they're holding. They might start looking at some privacy coins. So I think that's an interesting family of coins that I'm looking at. Well, what are you guys interested in? That's a really interesting point, actually, you brought up there. Um, yeah, privacy coins certainly could be a place to look, at least this year or very short term, especially if this coronavirus outbreak continues. If people are really actually hedging their money, then uh, some of the smarter investors might well head towards um, some of the privacy coins like Monero or Pivx or any of those. It's not actually a section of the market that I really look at too in depth, um, the fundamental side of things. Like I'm primarily a trader, so it's hard for me to really speculate on on that kind of situation. But um, I don't know, Ben, do you have any thoughts on that? I think the privacy sector is a very interesting one, primarily because it's so misunderstood. I think that a lot of speculators in the crypto market at this point are either misinformed or underinformed regarding what privacy tech is truly legit. 
for instance, the firm Chain Analysis, uh, they track you know so much illicit fund movement throughout the crypto space, regardless of whether or not coins are put into mixers or coin join or whether or not it's washed through a legit exchange. They're able to track it down within a pretty high definition of certainty as far as where the actual value will end up. I do think that the privacy sector is fundamentally important to the space. It's also important to private citizens, but I think that there's a lot of education that needs to take place for that sector to really see maturation. But one of the most kind of exciting sectors of the market and applications of blockchain that I'm looking at is Oracle service. You know, the cat's out of the bag for Chainlink. Ushering in true blockchain adoption into global enterprise is going to be the real sleeper for the next headline makers. Yeah, but, you know, in the end, none of these other choices have the uh, legitimacy of Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin is the only one that's been here from the start, is still here. Uh, you know, it's, it's big daddy Bitcoin. If there is any new container that can overtake Bitcoin, it's going to take a while for it to gain the legitimacy that Bitcoin already has. Absolutely. There's there's a definite uphill battle there for privacy coins. And, and really, like any coin in the market that provides any kind of service, we've got to remember, you know, as we've been saying throughout the podcast, that we're, we're such a small market cap. For us to uh, bring something to the forefront, it really has to, we really have to grow as, as a market and, and mature. And I think, like you said, for something to, to really come out and, and be used by either the general public or even just market-wide, really, we really need to make that technology more accessible to the normal everyday person. Even Bitcoin itself, you know, it's, it's not as accessible as, as we think it is. For, for people like you and me, it's, it's easy enough to go and buy it and to trade it and to send it and receive it. But even so, you're constantly hearing about you know, people losing their keys, people sending things to the wrong place. But I think we need to sort of mature as a technology even to really gain that sort of traction. That's a great point you bring up there about um, accessibility. I think if and when Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies become as easy to use as an email account that we use today or your messaging app that you use today, you know, the internet, when, when, when it was in its infancy, it was hard to use, you know, Usenet. Or I, I remember uh, logging on to, to, to play text-based games on uh, Telnet, you know, that wasn't really user-friendly technology. Oh man, I remember having to hang up the phone just <laughs> just to use the internet. Yes, yes. Oh man. Yeah, and, and, and my mom would scream at me, you know, like, yeah. stop using the computer, I want to call my friend. <laughs> and and now, it, it's, it's, it's so convenient now. And so, Absolutely. Uh, once we reach that certain, that tipping point of that level of convenience so that the average investor can easily buy and hold Bitcoin and not worry, or any other cryptocurrency, and not have to worry about losing their private keys, not have to worry about how to work this uh, wallet thing or updating their wallet or whatever. Once it becomes that easy, I think that's when we'll see the real explosive bull run we've been waiting for. I tend to agree. I think eventually, I mean, it's inevitable, really. There's, there's enough work going on in the space that accessibility will come, whether it's you know this year, next year, or 10 years from now. It's going to come at some point, and I think people will see the potential of these things, not just as a monetary instrument and a way to make money, but, but to transfer wealth or to use for certain different applications or in enterprise, in, in the store of data. Like, you know, we all know that there's, there's so many different applications for blockchain technology, and I think you know, a few years' time, when we, when we really mature, not just as a market, but as a technology, I think, I think we'll start to see some really exciting things happening. 
So Sponge is the Nest Show's TA expert in-house here. Uh, what are you looking at for Bitcoin in terms of the next week or two potential price action or levels of interest or TA elements that you're looking at on the chart? Thanks, Ben. Um, well, there's a few things. So I've pulled up the um, the XBT US dollar um, daily chart here. And um, yeah, there's certainly a few interesting levels that, that I'd like to pay attention to. Um, the first of which being... Oh, not there. The first of which being this this 9,100 level. Um, the interesting thing that's happened here on the daily chart is that this was an, a level that, that we've been playing off, off all year round. And we had this uh, descending triangle here from the sort of 14K top. We found a lot of resistance um, on the way down and then we found support along this 9,100 area. And we eventually broke down, came up to retest it and we managed to sort of reclaim it very shortly before breaking down, retesting, and finding sort of new lows there. Um, the lows currently, the the actual, the, sorry, the very lowest we got was six thousand three hundred eighty nine, that sort of area, um, and we bounced sharply from there, and we've and we've come right back up and and retested this nine thousand one hundred area once again, and we did initially get rejected, and we've broken up again in the last few days, um, and we we've currently in this daily candle that we're experiencing right now, we've retested that area and we've bounced uh, currently 3% there or thereabouts on the day. Um, so it's a very good reaction from that area. And whilst we've been sort of range bound for the last you know couple of months there, we've, uh, we've broken up in, into 2020. And uh, I think you know if we can hold these levels, we're certainly poised for a good year. There's one level I'd like to look at on the chart here, which is the sort of EQ of this um, descending triangle which is the sort of mid 10,000 area, 10,600. Um, I'll just run it here through across these weeks. So the sort of mid 10,000 area is something that if we can hold this daily level, this 9,100, um, we, might, we might consolidate for a while to sort of refuel, but that's potentially the next area that I'm looking at, sort of mid 10K um, before expecting any kind of sort of retrace. If we if we uh, yeah if we hold this uh, this nine thousand one hundred level, I, I can see us you know getting some kind of continuation short term. Um, however, obviously in a bearish scenario, if we break down and retest that nine thousand one hundred area, then I'm certainly looking for some kind of some kind of breakdown to probably this seven thousand seven hundred area. So those are the two scenarios. Um, bullish, we're looking at sort of mid ten k's. Bearish, we're looking at sort of late seven k's. Uh, I know that's not going to sit well with Ben with his eight and a half thousand idea um there is an argument there for that you could uh you could look at this area here which is a sort of mid eight thousands but um i can see it probably being a deeper retrace if we do break down this level absolutely and and i'm not married to uh any of my own kind of personal predictions as far as price goes and and of course none of this is financial advice you'd be a fool to assume assume otherwise but um, just looking at the, uh, uh, you know, starting in about in about November and that uh, daily uh, chart you have drawn out there, um, it looks like a pretty tidy cup and handle formation on that uh, on that chart. Do you have any kind of um, uh, do you give any weight to uh, those kind of, um, you know, chart formations, be it a, a, cup, and, a cup and handle, a double bottom, et cetera? 
or, or do you just kind of uh, touch and go based on price action? Well, primarily, I'm, I'm actually a momentum trader, so I'm not really a pattern trader as such. But on, on higher time frames like the daily or the weekly, I will pay attention to patterns, um, certainly this descending triangle. And yeah, you know, there is potential. I mean, this just does very much look like a, a cup and handle there. Um, yeah, with the retest, yeah. With the retest, it does. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, if that's the case, then, and, and you know, feel free to correct me in the comments if I'm wrong, because I'm, I'm not up to scratch on my chart patterns as such. But I believe the measured move would be from the, uh, the breakdown into the, into the uh, cup and then above from the breakout. So that's 27.5%. So, you know, if we were to play this out, we are looking at sort of the mid 11 case, which is you know fantastic run if we get that. Um, there's also the argument of an inverted head and shoulders here. I mean, we've kind of got a pattern within a pattern here. And there's an argument for both, and both have technically played out currently. Um, if if you want to go with the cup and handle idea, that's 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 a very uh, promising prospect for us at, at sort of eleven and a half k on the measured move. As as I said, correct me if I'm wrong on the measured move there, but I believe it's the the height of the the cup to the depth uh, to the to the low, and then from the breakout, the same height measured. Um, and if that's the case, then yeah, eleven thousand six hundred and seventy-two, give or take. Yeah, well, regardless, I, I do think that uh, it'll be a pretty interesting couple of weeks ahead of us for the price action with Bitcoin. Yeah, I totally agree. I think um, I think it's now definitely time to pay attention. Um, we've broken out of a out of a long term bearish trend. Um, the breakout's still yet to to really confirm, but you know we've made we've made a pretty serious run there. Right on. Yeah. Well, I guess that about sums it up as far as this week's show goes. I want to thank Sponge for being my ever ready co-host here. You do a great job, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate you too. want to give a special shout out to Crypto Penguin, our in-house FA specialist and behind the scenes samurai. Crypto Penguin, we appreciate everything you do for the Burb Nest and very much appreciate you being a guest here on today's show. Yeah. Uh, I love listening to your beautiful voice every week. I'd like to thank our listeners for joining this episode of The Nest Show. Our guest today can be reached on Twitter, where the official team handle is at the Burb Nest, where Sponge is at SpongeCoinBob, Penguin is at Proof of Penguin, and I am at BenjaminT1717. If you've appreciated the depth and breadth of what you've heard with us today, subscribe to our podcast and find our landing page at TheBurbNest.com. We have a vibrant Discord community which acts as our central hub of operations, and we welcome you to join us by visiting theburbness.com slash discord. We also offer an extensive free bulletin on emerging crypto market trends, exclusive undervalued gem reports, and in-depth expert technical and fundamental analysis at theburbness.com slash bulletin. We always appreciate engagement from our community, which of course means liking the video and subscribing to our page, where we insist on bringing you the highest quality content available. Also, we're happy to incorporate tips and topics from our listeners and encourage you to email us at thenestshow at theburbnest.com. After much demand, we are excited to finally introduce a host of delicious merch. Starting with my favorite, an assortment of comfortable hoodies. You can now sport your Burb Nest pride in style with our branded goodies. Be sure to visit theburbnest.com slash merch for more info. And don't forget to check out at CryptoBurb on Twitter for ongoing merch giveaways and more ways to participate with our community. This podcast has been brought to you by the Burb Nest. Thank you and trade on.